You're listening to The Report Card. The Report Card podcast is a commentary show about contemporary American politics and international affairs with your hosts, Scott Dworkin and Grant Stern, where they grade what they're seeing in the news each week. Invite activists, elected officials, and newsmakers to chat and to take your questions, too. You're listening to The Report Card. And I'm your host, Grant Stern. And I'm your host, Scott Dworkin. Uh, Grant, today's bombshell testimony. I figured for people who didn't hear it, see it, we maybe run through it. I, I don't even know how to where to start. I guess we would go from the beginning. But this is this is. I mean, it's, it's as bad as we thought. Yeah. Oh, it's worse. It's much worse. And and I think that starting from the beginning, um, which you know the committee's done a great job of for somebody that just watches one of these. Uh, we, we don't need to do that. I want to skip to the meat because, boy, uh, this is this is really serious. Okay, so I'll do I'll do the quick backtrack of uh, everything in, in like one minute. Uh, Cheney said Trump's not an impressionable child. He's responsible for his actions. Um, we have proof now that Trump doesn't write his own tweets as he had dictated his tweet to one of the staffers, Scavino. Um, there was a White House meeting that was unhinged. Uh, White House counsel told committee that Trump should have conceded the election. Giuliani's legal team knew there wasn't evidence to support election fraud claims. Former Attorney General said Trump asked to seize the voting machines. Former Twitter employee recalls concern about Trump talking directly to extremists on the platform and how it caused violence. And specifically on January 5th was worried about that happening. A D.C. Homeland Security official said that violent groups started lying because of a Trump tweet ahead of January 6th, um, testified under oath on that. Trump was planning for days before January 6th to ask his supporters to march to the Capitol. Uh, phone logs show Bannon show, <laughs> spoke to Trump before January 5th statement that all hell is going to break loose tomorrow. Um, and Katrina Pearson told the committee she flagged Mark Meadows about, quote-unquote, very suspect groups going to the Capitol on top of everything else that happened. Trump allies Flynn and Stone worked with far-right extremist group leaders ahead of January 6th riot. Jamie Raskin had said, uh, Cipollone said Pence did the right thing on January 6th, says, suggests he deserves the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Uh, former Twitter employee was worried people were going to die on January 6th. Um, AIDS described Trump's gathering in the Oval Office, and they called it uh, unhinged the, themselves. And one of the craziest ones that you know we know is former Trump campaign manager Brad Kreskel texted Trump, uh, texted the words that Trump is asking for a civil war. Um, skipping to the meat of the order, uh, Stephen Ayers obviously is a huge uh, testimony. He's an Ohioan. What do you think about him and his testimony? Um, you know, he listened to Trump. He went there. He got arrested for it. Uh, eventually, he lost his home. He lost yeah, his lost job. Him. I mean, so there's you, a you think permanent stigma. Testimony? Yeah. Uh, boy, it, I think it, it, it's going to be awfully compelling uh, to regular folks who have been trapped in this right-wing social media bubble and – I mean, I think that they've all got to be rethinking uh, their position right now, um, you know, about 
Well, I mean, really, like, it was just uh, those two witnesses were demonstrative, okay? I mean, we're starting with the back, but I, I really want to get right to the meat of this, the meat, the heart of it, that, uh, you know, Trump's closest confidants told Stephen Miller to take the references to Mike Pence out of his speech that was given at the Ellipse that proved the final spark in the MAGA insurrection. And instead, not only did he add them back, he added eight references. And just I mean, to, to cite what Grant's saying, following his call with Mr. Miller, Stephen Miller, Trump inserted for the first time a line in his speech that said, and we will see whether Mike Pence enters history as a truly great and courageous leader. All he has to do is refer the legally illegally submitted electoral votes back to states that were given false and fraudulent information where they want to recertify. No prior versions of the uh, speech had referenced Vice President Pence or his role during the joint session. Uh, Stephanie Murphy said these last-minute edits by Trump to his speech were part of his pressure campaign against his own vice president. It's damning as hell. The heated phone call, I mean, this implicates Stephen Miller, I would I would assume. I mean, No, no, uh, Stephen Miller implicates them. Because he's the speechwriter, right? So he's just mm-hmm. a witness here, you know. <laughs> so he's just standing by, wrote some words that he was ordered. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah, he's, yep, he's the organizer. I mean, that's. I mean, I'm sorry, he's the speechwriter. You know, he's just saying, hey, this is what happened. That's what happened. Uh, this is what they told me to do. That's what they told me to do. And boy, it looks really, really bad for them. I mean. You know, there, there's that the draft tweet. Let's talk about that. Yeah, the draft tweet from the presidential archives marked as seen by president. Right. Um, that the my pillow guy and Kylie Kramer uh, quietly telling each other that they knew that there was going to be a surprise march to the Capitol in advance. This is damning stuff. Ali Alexander even knew that there was going to be a surprise march to the Capitol. The, uh, combine that with the, the uh, off-the-record movement that Mark Meadows was trying to execute, and he was the point guy in charge of all this. He was the one who wanted to do a different off-the-record move to go to the Willard Hotel to meet with all of these people. Right. Boy, this is all getting to a much higher level uh, very rapidly. It's just funny. I heard people talking about this. A long time ago, as if it were this bad, and it's interesting to finally see it come to action. I mean, I rem- remember when Sasha Baron Cohen's folks reached out to us, and they're like, "Hey, let's do one more push for to get Trump off the platform." I mean, I I'm I'm speechless that Twitter. I I don't know who this safety worker is. But they saying that they would have suspended him. They knew that it was going to be violent. Like I don't, I don't even know what to say about that. I, I, oh come on! I, I think we knew more. for for years that he would have been suspended had he been anybody else. I think uh, Twitter has responded. Oh, let's see. I what interesting got, times gotta, for Twitter message about twitter responding right now uh yeah so they they just replied saying 
The company is clear-eyed, clear-eyed about our role in the broader information ecosystem in regard to January 6th attack, but that it took unprecedented steps and invested a, invested significant resources to prepare for and respond to the threats that emerged during the 2020 election. The company said Twitter has deployed numerous policy and product interventions to protect the public conversation, including declaring the Proud Boys a violent extremist group in 2018 and permanently suspending accounts related to the group and organizers of the Capitol siege. But the former employee, I mean, they, they testified under oath that they attempted to raise the reality that if we made no intervention into what I saw occurring, people were going to die. I mean, I, I don't know that this is, this is what we warned about. We never, I, you know, I was down the street from the insurrection and like, I we never thought that people would actually take up arms, but the fact that he knew that Trump knew that it, there were people armed with assault rifles, and he didn't care, and he wanted to send them to the Capitol. Like, at what point is he in trouble? Yeah, well, I mean the the fact that you know that they all knew that the plan. Like the the plan that wasn't the plan because they would all get into a lot of trouble was to make a surprise march to the Capitol. I mean that that just says it all, doesn't it? I don't understand. I mean, maybe I, I've worked for politicians before and I've uncovered uh, things on them, and then you know asked them to drop out. Um, sometimes they were tyrannical, and I'd release information in regards to them like the audio conversations that they had um where they lambasted assaulted uh staff you know like i don't understand why people who are politically active just stand by and let this happen and take order i mean like i i I don't get that i still i'll never understand how this many people just sat idly by and not only that but before January 6th, when this was all going on in December, why did no one go public? No one. None of these people actually came out and said, you know, this is going to be violent possibly on January 6th. Like no one was really doing that except for us saying that, you know, and we all we had was intelligence from different sources across the board. But like it just doesn't I don't know. I think I feel as if next week is going to be. A scorched earth, as in they're going to bring out the proof that they have that is just undoubtedly, he knew it was going to be violent, he wanted to be violent, here's the proof. I mean, it's already there. Well, they've already got all this... The setup's already there, though, right? But none of them... None of them went public. And it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I just don't understand how to, I mean, it just, I'm, I'm stunned. My blood is boiling over this uh, testimony from today. And it, it doesn't make any sense to me why no one would speak out. You know, they're in politics for a reason. And you have lawyers who are, you know, hiding behind the White House and they're getting so upset inside the White House and they don't do a damn thing to actually change things. And none of these people even came out after January 6th. If we didn't have 
this committee, this specific committee right now, we wouldn't see this. If DOJ had indicted people already or drawn them into grand juries, then we wouldn't have seen this information probably in years or, or, or ever. So, I, I want to take a call. I want to take a call from Amanda. And, and by the way, guys, we are taking your calls today, so hop on in the queue. Amanda, thanks for calling in. What's your comment or question? Thank you, Grant. I was just going to say I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be a defender of the behavior that was going on by anybody around this whole event. So I want to put that out there since nobody here in this room knows me. <laughs> I'm not for that. I'm not a Trumper. I'm an American person. But, but one of the things that occurs to me, why didn't anybody say anything before January 6th, even though they thought it was dangerous? I mean, how many people would like, I wouldn't say anything because I'd think there's no way that's going to happen. There's just no way that's going to happen. That would be what I'd be thinking in my brain. Now, not, not all of those people who were in the White House and privy to what was happening would think that way. But at, just thinking at charitably, because these are human beings who make stupid decisions just like me, right? That maybe some of them didn't come forward because either they feared retribution, because, I mean, it's not fun to have a bully bully you. Right. You do not want to you do not want to be the person that forgot to step backward when the rest of the line stepped backward because now you stick out. Right. And now you're a target. Right? And and I think something underscoring that happened and it happened at the very end of the well, I mean it was revealed at the end of today's hearing, which is Liz Cheney said that one of the witnesses was actually contacted by Donald Trump by telephone um just in the last week. And this witness did not take the call and reported the call that to the Department bonkers. of Justice. Crazy. That is just really nuts. I mean, <laughs> you know, w when he had Twitter, he was using it to tamper with witnesses in real time um, as far as intimidating them. But this is like whole next level, right, Scott? Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> I've gotten some phone calls in my life. Uh, I had some meetings, but like that's, it's just, he's, it's a desperate for, you know, monster that's trying to intimidate a witness. I mean, there's no other way. There's no other reason for him to talk to them at this point. It's not like he's seeking counsel or asking for advice, like, or asking them to work for him. You know, like none, none of these things could be true. And so, you know, it what would have been better, I think, is taking the phone call, recording the conversation, and going from there. Uh, but at the same time, you could, you could by picking that phone call up, you could be breaking the law immediately. You could be involved in a felony, a conspiracy against the United States. You don't, you don't know what you're getting yourself involved in. So that to whoever it is, they were smart enough to do it in that way, which is the only way that they wouldn't get implicated by that. But man, yeah, I mean, I. I see that, but I, I don't know anyone in Obama's administration who would put up with any of that shit. Like, there's nobody that I, I knew that was in the White House, that was in the administration at any angle, that would have ever tolerated um, President Obama ever acting like that in any manner, doing any <laughs> of those things. Like, I Oh, just... come on. What would Fox News do if President Obama contacted the witness of an investigation into his conduct? I mean, we saw what they what they did for a tan suit, for gosh sakes. Right. 
Well, you know, that was a pretty badass tan suit, but they kept on acting like he was a middle middle eastern drug lord is what i heard over and over again there's, there's so to many be, layers to that to be fair i mean the lefties can get worked up into their their dander all worked up over a tan suit cuz that still is in our minds right <laughs> it was well it's just it, it's it was just a an dumb example. thing but it was a thing yeah you know what uh, Ronald Reagan looked great in his tan suit when he visited Miami <laughs> in the 1980s, and I have a wonderful visit of it. It's a, an iconic, iconic moment where where he comes to Miami and says how great immigration is, and uh, Cuba si, Castro no. He led the crowd in a chant of that, actually. So, I mean, the double standards are real, but, um, you know, I, 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 just, I, I just think it's sad that there's still, uh, you know, people that that I'm acquaintances with that just won't let go of some of the most crazed beliefs that they've had imparted to them. And I think that today's witness showed exactly how hard it is to displace uh, a, a propaganda with the truth, even when, um, you know, there are deep, deep consequences to ignoring that truth. Uh, and I'm talking about, uh, is Jason Ayers, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, he had to detox from social media, get out of that bubble, um, just to get some facts back into Steven, his life. Stephen Ayers. Stephen Ayers. Stephen Ayers. Jason um, was the other. The Jason Van Tadenhove. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I mean, gosh, you know, I'm surprised that they didn't get uh, Tasha Adams to testify today. You know, Tasha Adams was uh, – it actually is still legally Stuart Rhodes's wife. And she lives in Montana with their kids. Yeah, you know? I, I bet they had to be really careful about who they were presenting to the world. And, you know, people who had clearly lost everything that weren't going to come out there and all of a sudden defend Trump. You know, like Oh, Jason... yeah, but I mean, Tasha would not defend Trump, I promise you. She, right. she told me about how uh, Stewart fell down that rabbit hole. I mean, she basically said that... Uh, you know, he was all about his ideals until it came down to power. And and that's ultimately what drew him. And that's why he drew the Oath Keepers into the Trump, Trump and MAGA world. I think these, these folks both look the part of a pro-Trumper and they're broken. And you can tell that. And for Jason, from the former spokesperson for the Oath Keepers, saying they may not like to call themselves a militia, but they are, they're a violent militia. And to talk about how it was planned, you know, the other things that they've been involved with before, uh, you know, you know how they used a stacked military formation going up the stairs, uh, what the Oath Keepers are happened on January 6th, he said. Uh, it's, it's, it, it, it is interesting to see, that and he left after they said that uh, the Holocaust was not real. So I mean, it, it's it, that and that was one thing, and he was involved. He knew what they were about. He was a member of that, and you know he's got to own that. The other dude who was just roped in said, "I went to the rally because you know Trump invited us to the rally, so I went there, <laughs> and I wasn't going to go anywhere else. And then he invited us to the Capitol." And if he told us to leave, I would have left. If he told us to go to the Capitol, that's that's where I went. I think everybody thought he would be coming down. He said in his speech, it was 
kind of like he was going to be there with us. I believed it. That's what I mean. He he did believe it. Like it's very clear that he thought, and that's what we always knew. But hearing it, you know, just like everything else, hearing it is something different. Yeah. Oh yeah, much different. And I mean, seeing how people who were in his direct command for years uh, understood entirely that Trump's rhetoric is what killed people like his follower, Ashley Babbitt, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. St Stephen Ayers, like, apparently after, right after the hearing, he, the, the guy who was the, the Ohioan that uh, lost his job and, um, his house, he, he went up and he shook hands with uh, Daniel Hodges, who's the uh, the cop that, the, the Capitol Police officer who got his head stuck in the door. Remember when he was getting crushed? Um, it, it's, it's like a, it's a picture that I'll send around. Yeah. But I mean, that, yeah. it is, that is just, uh, uh, you know, police sergeant, former police sergeant, uh, Aquilino Ganell is in the background. I am not sure what he's thinking, but it's it's just you know this guy went around with his phone in the Capitol and didn't hurt anybody, right? Right? But like, still, that's a a weird kind of moment. That's like someone who was involved with uh, I don't know, someone else shot someone during a robbery and you were driving the car, and you're apologizing to the victims to one of the victims. I mean, I I don't. I don't know exactly what's going on there, but that that's crazy. That the picture just came out right now. Yeah, yeah, I saw the video too. Um, I mean, this is just devastating. All of it. Um, How long do you, you know, think it'll be till Trump is actually arrested, though? I mean, it, I mean it, how long can no other... it be at this rate? Like, I, I just think, you know, there's so many different cases to be made that Donald Trump wanted to obstruct the official proceeding of January 6th. I just, you know, even his own investigators didn't think that there was anything to his lies. You right. know, I mean, people were kind of getting a kick out of watching uh, Sidney Powell knock back some diet, Dr. Diet Pepper. Uh, you know, while she was testifying about her coup plot, but she raised $15 million based on this crazy lie. And she was just getting a tiny, tiny little sliver of the graft. It's called fraud, brother. Like, and you can't, you know, false marketing and, and to the world and raising money off of that. I'm surprised the FEC hasn't gone after all these people yet, but forget sure the that... FEC. I mean, there's a, there's a point you reach where you cross the line from, whatever activity you purport to be doing into a fraud ring. And I think the best example of that is we build the wall. Hmm. You know, I mean, they That's said, a good we're one, not going to take a penny. Isn't the big lie a bigger one? Oh, it's like much just, bigger, but I'm saying, but they were they the said, same people. We're not going to take a they penny. They were the same people though. They were the same people. So like, it's, it's all Steve. Well, Bannon, some like, of right? them. Yeah. It's all Steve Bannon. Like the fuck, like he, it's the same people that are involved with, it's just it's I, I I know you and I are still blown away by the testimony today, but I didn't I didn't expect like, you know, some dude that looks, you know, and sounds like people I grew up with in, you know, northeast Ohio to be wandering around the Capitol like some dumbass 
like a lemming, like a sheep. And it's like he lost everything. Oh, he yeah. lost everything. The, the, the freaking idiot. You know, you go out there. I, I, there. I give no credit to these people, these fucking cowards. I don't. I don't give any credit to these traitors. Like they're coming out now. They're speaking great. So they got no jail time from it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they they testified in front. Oh no! Like you lost your shit. You deserve it. I'm sorry. Like you deserve to lose your home. You deserve to lose your job. There needs to be consequences to actions. And you were in the Capitol. I didn't know better. Yeah. But like, it's not, it, what's not fair is if he gets in trouble and he loses all this stuff and Trump's still out there free. Like, that's, that's not fair. You know, oh, I mean? you're, the you're foreshadowing. Being... You're foreshadowing here with our interview go. with Michael Cohen. Good job. Ah, yes. Michael Cohen. And uh, I'm, I'm, we're finishing up the two part episode. Oh, I guess it's a two episode. What would we call it? It's like a part one and part two. It's a two part episode. And yeah, he, uh, we're going to speak with Stephanie Winston Wolkoff. Um, yep. I mean, we, we've got such an amazing season coming up on the Torkin Report. One of Melania's former friends, and also helped with uh, run the inauguration. And um, you know, she's she's got a historic past. Like she helped run the Met Gala for years. Um, yeah, and know, I mean, she, I'm sure she, her testimony didn't shit. hurt when it came to the DOJ charging the guy known as the Trump Whisperer. Probably right. one of the most important insiders in, in Trump's 2016 uh, election wins. Um, you talking about Tom? The inaugural committee, Tom Barrick, right? Who called yeah. the United Arab Emirates the home team. Um, he just happened to be in Moscow for Miss Moscow, for, for what is it, Miss Universe in Moscow in uh, 2013. 13. When was that? Yeah. But, but I, you know what? I'm not going to give it away, but we asked Michael Cohen about that in our upcoming interview as well, and he gave quite we the interesting about, answer. We asked him about the setup of a member of Congress that Trump did as well. We asked him about uh, a lot of other things. He gave us some good nuggets. It's, it's a weird conversation because this is the same guy that we used to go toe-to-toe with. This is the same guy that we publicly— This is the same guy who that. blocked me on Twitter— for publishing a story right. saying that he lied, he does have Russian oligarch contacts. <laughs> right. And C- CNN covered the thing about him being yes. in Prague or whatever. When, and well, that no, was no, just they, a... covered, they covered the Las Vegas stuff. CNN covered a- – after they saw our reporting, they went and used it to do some video searching and found the actual videos of that event. And, the video um, was nonsense though. That didn't what, – what we had is the we vid- found yeah, photographic the evidence so and more. I remember – Looking at this, these well, I mean, I don't know, th- thousands the photos. of photos from the from the different thing, and, and I zoom in, and I'm like looking at the mirror reflection. I feel like a you know whatever at that point, uh, you know they were calling us investigators, or whatever you want to call it. But like that is some like detailed stuff right there, because I I when we found his we we went over the profile of his face, and we had to go over until he confirmed it. Like well, okay, that, here's the thing though. Um, what was so important about that that story was that a month later, it turned out that it, you know it showed that Donald Trump knew the guy who set up the infamous meeting between the Russian attorney linked to the the government of Russia and the the Trump campaign, uh, which of course was Rob Goldstone. And if you guys want to look through our catalog, we did an extensive interview with Rob Goldstone. We even surprised him. Uh, with some of the questions and some of the detail that we had found in investigating uh, that whole situation. 
And I mean, let, let's just conclude with this. Doesn't this drive home how different uh, this investigation is from the the Mueller investigation? Absolutely. I mean, and uh, the, the, I think the key thing is uh, the point that you had mentioned a minute ago is that Liz Cheney made, and this is this is interesting how this works, but like the committee quote unquote informed the DOJ that Trump attempted to contact a witness that has has not, not been seen yet. And like, so it's not a criminal referral. This seems much different because uh, they informed the DOJ, but now they can also, her publicly saying this, broadcast it far and wide. Like she says, after our last hearing, Trump tried to call a witness in our investigation, a witness you have not see, seen uh, in these hearings. She said at the end, uh, that person declined to answer or respond to Trump's call and instead alerted their lawyer to the call. Their lawyer alerted us, and this committee supplied that information to the Department of Justice. So, I mean, like, that's that, – that, that, you could get prosecuted for that. Like, that's not – I, the, the problem is, like, the intent. Trump could act like he's not – Oh, I'm not sure about this, but it could. What it could do is it could provoke the the prosecution, like the overall. I don't know how many charges he faces, but maybe that'd be an interesting article to do. Is to see how many criminal charges he could actually be facing, because even just the the fake electors plot, every single elector that they tried to influence is a felony. Every single person that was involved with the scheme. It's it's not just like the overall scheme, but every single elector you can be charged with a felony and spend ten years in prison. Like it's every single one, and even just the conspiracy to work with them to overturn the election. That's a felony. The the fact that you even meet about it, that you think about it, and talk about it out loud, and meet with other people about it. Well, take affirmative steps. Take affirmative exactly. steps towards carrying it out. That's really exactly what it's which about. they. I mean, like they were what they they did it. Like they carried they carried it out. They just couldn't get people to follow through with the rest of it, right? Some parts, yes. Some parts, no. Some parts, they, you know, contemplated heavily. Um, I mean, it looks like Donald Trump spent the day of the 18th, December 18th, 2020, evaluating different conspiracies and coup plots to finding the, to find the coup plot that he felt would be most defensible. Which right. he ultimately settled on being uh, Peter Navarro and John Eastman's activities. Right. I mean, then he said, I mean, it's I crazy. was advised by our lawyer. Oh, I didn't know it was illegal. My accountant said it was okay. I mean, I've had accountants for 15 years now, and I've fact checked every single line item that they've ever done, every single thing that they've ever written down. I, I don't just trust someone who works for me implicitly like that's what they do. I'll even – and, you know, I do this with attorneys that we have as I check with my attorneys on top of other attorneys, even if they say one thing is good to go. You know, after what we've learned the past few years, I, I just – I don't understand why someone would be so irresponsible unless they were trying to, you know, play the blame game, which is exactly what you said. You know, it, the words, oh, it's, uh, I didn't know, I didn't know. I can't do my Trump impression anymore. I used to have a good one. That's not a good one. But hey, everybody, no. anybody want to call in right now? This is your chance. Also, I wanted to read a question from Amanda Rice. It's in the chat. Given the progress of the hearing, what do you see when you look forward armed with this information and in light of the new evidence? So 
I mean, look, in light of this new evidence, I mean, one thing is that, hey, the DOJ actually might, um, they, they might have an obstruction or t- a witness tampering case against Donald Trump. Um, that shows the high stakes gravity of how, uh, how he sees this. Um, you know, those are the kind of cases that are much easier to prove, you know, and they ensnare a great many people like the Roger Stones of the world uh, who got caught witness tampering. It's a very serious offense. Uh, it's an escalator kind of offense. It's one of those that they add to, you know, a lot of points to the sentencing guidelines and combined with whatever else they must have by now. Um, I mean, I think you're starting to see a pretty strong predicate for the Department of Justice to finally commence a prosecution, not to mention what's going on in Georgia. I mean, you know, the the mental state, the mens rea is, is very important for deciding whether someone's trying to commit a crime. And none of this looks innocent. What do you think, Scott? If I work at if I worked at that Trump White House and I haven't spoken to the January 6th committee, I am hiring a criminal defense attorney and I'm getting my ass up there immediately. And I'm not going to I am also having that criminal defense attorney put together a team in each state where the fake electors. If I, if I was involved with that fake elector scheme at all, especially if you were in the White House, you got to look at every single state because you could be prosecuted by any of those states. And so you have to look at you have to look at multi level here. And then also you're going to be on an island. You know what I mean? You're not going to be funded by the Republican Party. You're not going to be funded by Trump. You know, you're by yourself now. And so, well, Trump is notorious for leaving people out to dry when they're facing the music. I mean, that's also a that's great. Yeah, that's a great uh, drop for the Dworkin Report uh, two-part episode of the Michael Cohen episode that are coming out soon because he talks about that being left in the lurch. He also talks about how uh, Trump, and this is a quote from him, assaulted Don Jr., so he has a history of violence and violent rhetoric. Obviously, we knew that already, and we have that on tape. But uh, again, so we'll, we'll be releasing that, I think, soon, because I just need to finish the recordings part, and then we'll piece it together and, and release the first and second part. So it'll be Oh, yeah, it's tough to get on Scott's workings calendar. <laughs> hey, man, I had to be, I was on the road, you know, I was in the middle of a field uh, with the, uh, you know somebody who's uh, amazing and uh you know being being four-wheeling in uh Montana of all places and uh making sure that uh I was unplugged there were there were more places that had no cell reception than did and uh it was great it was great to unplug um i recommend it to to everybody but now uh, but it's back still, to the grind it's back to the grind. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> we want to be careful about uh, the hours that we grind. But, yeah, I, I, it is back, you know, to the testimony. And next week we'll have more testimony. And uh, as Jamie Raskin said, that it's going to be not just revelatory, which is one of his favorite words. Um, he also said that it is – what did I text you? He said – the Watergate meeting was like a Cub Scout meeting compared to this assault. He, the hearing next week will be a profound reckoning for them, for the Trump White House. And it's I mean, like this has been a pretty yeah. profound reckoning, especially yeah. 
you know, and, and I hate to double back here, but especially for the people, the misguided, self-deluded, self-important idiots in the media who said that there was going to be a bunch of people around Donald Trump that somehow were guardrails. That's the last time I ever want to hear that phrase ever again. Yeah, that was never true. That was never, that was never true. We, we knew that wasn't true because we knew the people around him. These are not like saints. These are people whose arms were twisted into testifying in the first place who didn't know this video would probably ever see, see the light of day and didn't know that it would be crafted in a way that, that it could be presented to the American people, um, you know, in, in a coherent, non, non-Democrat way where it would be hours and hours of tape and say, look at that. Look at all the tape we have. There's the evidence. Instead, we took more of the Republican way of things of simplicity, which is what we needed to do. Simplicity and bombshell. That combination is everything. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, it's um, the the dramatic conclusion needs to arrive sooner rather than later. Um, you know, there's not going to be a second chance to to getting this right. Uh, there there was a president who lived in the people's house and plotted against the people. That has to be punished. It just has to be punished. Right. I agree. And uh, as we. As we wrap here, I mean, I, I, if you can tell, Grant and I are a little, uh, even for us, we're shocked at uh, today's hearing. And I, I even knew what to expect. Like, I, I knew what was on the table, and I still am like, oh, okay, like, you know, I know this is going to be bad, but um, just seeing it is, is you know, it's, it's tough to see this stuff because especially living it, you know, on the front lines and being there and uh, uh, seeing all this kind of transpire. It makes it a little bit more personal, I guess. But, man, I'll tell you, uh, next week's testimony is going to be crazy, and we'll be we'll be covering that um, as well. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to that, Grant. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. But, I mean, it's just well, the thing that really disgusts me the most is that these people knew. I mean, this stuff was unfolding in real time, and some of them tried to prevent it. Give them credit. Uh, Mike Pence did prevent the ultimate act. Um, but these people knew, and they knew the whole time. And, you know, Kaylee McEnany went and joined Fox News, the purveyor of the Antifa uh, lie. Debbie Lesko, Rep. Debbie Lesko, one of the extreme House Republicans, she knew. She knew that this was MAGA Republicans who did this. Would that would that freaking guy? I don't think it was Matt Gates. It was Gosar. That one of those guys called me the king of Antifa, and I was like, I will sue you into the ground. And the tw- they deleted the tweet. I was like, I missed that one. But at the same time, like anti. I mean, Roger Stone anti- did anti- call fascist. for you to be arrested. Remember? Well, that was yeah, a classic. Him and you know Mike Flynn's son and Mike Flynn and uh, blah, blah, blah. Go on and go on. It it is funny to see them all, you know, get their time in the sun without having you know White House some you know back them up in any way, um, and also to outreach them in regards to social media where they can't, you know, manhandle you like they used to. I mean, it was scary when they they came after you. They came after you, and it was like a pack of wolves, you know. 
um, I just, I just didn't, you, you were the same way at Huffington Post. Like we just didn't give a shit. The right was right. Wrong was wrong. And they're lying. Why are they lying? You know, we always knew this would lead to violence because they always talked violently and it did hurt people over the years. It's not like nobody got hurt over the years. Heather Heyer's dead. You know what I mean? Like there's plenty of people who are dead because of his rhetoric and his violence. Like, so it's not, this is not the first time. Hopefully it's the last, you know, you have, you, you have the jerk in Florida who's, you know, real trying, trying to be the kind of like softer version of Trump, which is terrifying. Oh, that's for another episode. We could go on and on about that, but let's just say, um, plan on the next installment of the Dworkin report, uh, starting soon after, like, Within a few minutes after the next January 6th hearing, which we're, we've been told is going to be next week, right? Is it next yes, week? Yes, that's correct. Yes. Next yes, week, sir. it's going to be a primetime hearing, so we're going to be on a little bit late that night. But as soon as the committee sets its schedule, we're going to schedule this episode. So keep your eyes open, everybody, and thanks for joining us today. And thanks for your questions, and thanks for calling in. Scotty? No, I appreciate everybody, and I appreciate uh, what's been done. I, if you haven't seen the testimony today, see it. Watch the two guys' testimony. Like, their testimony is bombshell. It's different. It's not the same as a White House staffer. Um, this is it's just beyond damning, and watch it. That's all I can say about that. I'll post it. Uh, we'll post it. Um, take a look. It's worth it. You're listening to The Report Card. 